Welcome into the second episode of the Newcastle Tunes podcast, brought to you by Fansided, of course. I'm Carson A. Merck, joined by my co-site expert and my partner in the attack, Dream Halimi. How are you, sir? Who's that team we call United? Who's that stud we call Iose? Does that answer your question, my man? No, it sounds like you're having a bad day over there. Yes, a, a little bit, a little bit. I hate the fact that Southampton scored. Yeah, no, that, that, that is true. So, um, obviously, we are coming to you after the Southampton win for Newcastle 3-1 at St. James's Park. And then, um, yeah, it was it was another, another big win and two straight now, uh, following up on the Leicester City victory from eight days ago from Friday. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're looking good. We haven't officially officially confirmed our safety in the premier league but we have very unofficially confirmed our safety in the premier league we have absolutely nothing to worry about i just hope these guys continue to get some points and climb the table so we can get some more money that mike ashley may or may not use you never know with that guy i was gonna say that he will likely pocket and you know pretend like we don't have any but yeah it's a i think that was actually one of the things that was mentioned on the broadcast today was Newcastle pretty much secured their safety against Leicester with that win. And there was a thought that maybe they would come out a little flat today, um, which they didn't, which was nice. Um, even not coming out flat, but throughout the match, they were you know still pressing. But we'll go into that match here in a bit. Going back to, in the time machine, back to the Leicester City match. Another match where the the previously sung Ayoise Perez uh, came up big uh, on the road at King Power Stadium. A nice 1-0 win for the tune. Yeah, that game consisted of a simple strategy. Um, Offensive urgency, defensive stubborn. I mean, our trio of Almiron, Rondon, and Perez were very active when, when getting the ball at their feet and trying to create chances for each other and for themselves. I mean, if you have a good look, be selfish, it's okay. And our defenders were just winning every 50-50 ball and making quick clearances, hustling around. And that made that was the difference maker right there against the quality side. Yeah, it was an interesting, if you just looked at the statistical matchup between Leicester and Newcastle in that one. So Newcastle did as they often do against top clubs on the road. They sat back. So they end up with 28% of possession and 400 over 400 less passes. But they had only one less shot and had the same shots on targets. So like you said, uh, urgency in the attack and then also obviously being staunch defensively to, to get a clean sheet on the road was big. But it was an interesting one. It was not – there have been matches where they've sat back and had you know possession in the 20s and only finished with like two shots and one on target. Sometimes it was a goal in all fairness. Um, going back to the – I think <laughs> yeah. it was Rondon scored one when we had like 20% possession. But – um, no, it was an interesting one. It was that was kind of a signature Newcastle performance these days, as far as the defensive stability and then taking advantage when you get the chance. Yeah, defensive stability was spot on. I mean, we have a better defensive record than Manchester United now as well, and that really shows how hard our guys work in the back. Um, Jamal Sells, Fabian Scher, Paul Dummett. And then depending on if it's Javier Monquillo or DeAndre Edlin, those guys have been switching on and off lately. But yeah, the defense is stepping up in a big way and really 
relieving the pressure off of our attack too at the same time. Yeah, which, I mean, the less goals you have to score to win, the better, um, which is definitely the equation Newcastle have used. And then um, going from a match where we only scored one to a match where we scored three, um, just a, about an hour ago today, uh, Newcastle gets the 3-1 win at home against Southampton. And it was an Ayose Perez hat trick, which was the first Newcastle hat trick since Jorginho Wijnaldum scored. Um, and for anyone who's not aware, he hasn't been on the team in a few seasons. Yeah, that is crazy. That That is a crazy stat. I, I had no idea about that, but um, that hat trick came at a perfect time. I mean, it was a match full of controversial calls. It was pretty chippy in midfield. Two of our players, two of our key players, in my opinion, <laughs> went, went down and back into the locker room within four minutes of each other, so... It was a very crazy match, and the fact that the Toon managed to score three uh, really took me by surprise and made me a happy camper. Yeah, and, and we could even start off. So going back to the first major moment of the match was um, a call that both of us agree was missed. So um, it was going to be a counterattack. I, I don't can't remember. I think it was Shar that played the ball forward to Almiron, and he goes to make a move around James Ward-Prowse. Rondon is unmarked in the middle of the pitch, and Ward Prowse just hockey checks him. I understand it's the NHL playoffs. He might have been inspired by that. But so he <laughs> hockey checks him, and there was no question it was a foul. There was no debate on that. But the ref, Anthony Taylor, gives Ward Prowse a yellow card, which I know where I feel. Your thoughts definitely are red. To describe it, it was a piss poor decision. Yeah, it was red. I mean, I know a few pundits were always saying like, um, oh, but he was too far from the goal for it to be considered a red card. Yeah, but he wasn't even looking for the ball. I don't care where you are on the field. You can be on the opposite side of the pitch on the corner flag. And if you take a player out like that with no intention of taking the ball, yeah, that's a red card for me. I don't care. It was a ruthless, ill-disciplined tackle and... Yeah, that guy is the luckiest man in England. Yeah, I think for me it was a combination of, like you mentioned, he made no attempt to get the ball, but also, so you combine that with taking away the clear goal-scoring opportunity, which again, I know he was in the middle of the pitch, but it was going to be, a essentially it was going to be a 2v goalkeeper situation. Um, and yeah, that was it was bad to me, and, and my thought was, if that's all you have to do to stop a counterattack, Every player, every defender on every team should do that. Last man back, just as long as you're at the middle of the pitch, just blow up whoever has the ball and you're good to go because it won't be a red card. So, yeah, to me, it was a missed call, and I was nervous that there have been times before where there's been a moment like that and it seems to deflate Newcastle United. Today, it did the opposite. I think it was within a few minutes after that. Isaac Hayden slides in, wins the ball. And Iosia Perez had a wide open Salomon Rondon in the, right in the middle of the box, in all fairness. But he uh, he beats Angus Gunn at the far post and deflects it off the post for the opening goal. Yeah, to, to be precise, I believe it was the 27th minute uh, that that action took place. And when I saw Iosia go around one defender, but then two of them were coming at him, a two-on-one. But he, he, he timed his shot perfectly and... The placement, usually that ball is either going wide or over the bar or what God knows what, but he found a way to hit the bar, but it still went in. Hit the post, I should say. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was uh, an impressive goal. Should he have passed? 
Yeah, that's the more logical thing to do, but hey, it went in. And that almost to me would have been, it was another one of those moments where it can go one way or the other. So if we, we could be having a different conversation right now if he had not scored there and he should have passed and then somehow Newcastle gets shut out and they lose 1-0. So uh, it was good that it went in. Obviously, I was happy about that. And then he said, no, not done. I might as well add another one. And this time it was Rondon actually passing. To Jose Perez, who uh, scored at the far post. Great ball from Rondon. Great finish from Perez. And, and we were in business up 2-0. Yeah, that was a, a pretty funky goal, seeing our heaviest and slowest player out on the wing <laughs> when he should be in the right. middle. And he just delivers a, a very good curling cross that just took a very nice, generous bounce. And like, like I said against... Uh, the Leicester game, um, Perez was just in the right place, right time, and got a foot on it, bounced it into the back of the net. So it was a beautiful goal. Yeah, and then throughout that time frame and then beyond that, um, Almiron has been, we keep saying, we said it in the podcast last time, we've mentioned it in countless articles since, he's impacting the match so much despite the lack of statistical impact. And again today, you know, he's beating defenders. He had, I think it was two nutmegs on the same run into the box and then and then <laughs> bounced off the keeper. But, um, yeah, he was yeah. he was big in the first half, I think, even though he wasn't able to score. Yeah, he definitely had an impact, and he was running all over the place. Uh, even when he doesn't create a big chance, he knows how to take the ball back into the middle of the field and let the team reset. So he's a very smart guy, talented guy. Um, I know he took one shot from distance. He didn't hit it quite as good as he wanted just because it ended up being too soft of a shot. But the goals will come, I hope. I mean, as long as that injury doesn't keep him out uh, for the remainder of the yeah, season. Yeah, we can go to so injury. So Amiron, first off, he should have, going back to his impact, he should have uh, earned a red card on the Ward Prowse foul. But uh, so... He gets hurt. It looked like he tried to make a move around the defender. It looked like his hamstring. Um, he goes down. He's laying there, and then he was down for a while getting treatment. And then as he got up, he covered it. In life and in soccer, when you cover your face because you're crying, it's not a good sign. No, it's, it's definitely not a good sign. And when I saw the instant replay, I was wondering well, what could have happened that you know, kept him down for quite a while and that forced him to have tears in his eyes. But when I saw that, I believe the defender was Romelu. His knee just went in the back of his hamstring. At first I was hoping, ah, you know, maybe it's just a, a big bruise and he'll he'll walk it off in a few minutes. But seeing him go straight for the tunnel has me pretty worried. Yeah, the first, or the, I guess the preferred thought is that it's some kind of a Charlie horse because, A, that would hurt incredibly bad, and it would still be alarming that it's your hamstring. But um, he had some of those injuries with Atlanta United, not consistently, but like the quad, hamstring. Uh, so hopefully it's not, you know, too bad. If it, In all fairness, it, so if we're looking at it this way, if he misses the last three matches of the season, I'm, I'm not that concerned. We've pretty much secured our safety at this point. Um my bigger concern would be if it's something that hampers because he relies so much on that quick twitch pace, whether it's, you know, getting out and, you know, stretching his legs out and really getting on the break or even just in small areas, the quick skills and the quick elusiveness. So my hope would be it doesn't impact him like 
end of the summer or anything like that. If it's if it's three matches, that's a small price to pay for me. Yeah, that makes two of us for those exact reasons. But another reason why I hope he's going to be okay, at least for the next match or the following match after that, is my concern is Mike Ashley might say, see, this is why I don't spend big on players and don't expect me to do it again. I really hope that's not the case because this team should not be fighting for 17th place every season. We need more quality guys like him. And but that aside, that's a whole different other to- that's a whole other topic. Um I we hope you do a hundred podcasts on that. Yeah, tell me about it. <laughs> but And um, they would not be happy podcasts. <laughs> no, they would not be. I'd be crying just like Almiron was today. But right. yeah, you know, I just I hope the guy comes back. I think he will since he was able to walk it off on his own. Mm-hmm. Um but another injury that scares me is Fabian Scher going down. Fortunately, he walked it off himself as well, got off the field and made his way to the tunnel. But that guy is a key player for us. He he has impressed me so much this season. And yeah, I hope he comes back too. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what's interesting, well, first off, I 1000% agree. I think, I think Shara, to me, has been the most valuable defender. It's been interesting. So I was actually looking back. So when, at the start of the season, Federico Fernandez, both you and I were raving about him. He was the guy that really burst on the scene. He had some really great performances, some crucial tackles when they needed to be. We we're like, man, what a what a bargain this guy was. What a great addition to the defense. And then he goes out, and then Fabian Scher comes in, and he is all of a sudden this great player. And to me, he's been good in the he's been good in his moments in the attack. I, I don't remember who they played against where he had the two goals, but Cardiff City. Like, Carter City even like dribbled into the box and like went on some crazy run. But uh, yeah, it again, they both were able to walk off gingerly at that. But um, yeah, without them, if this were five matches ago, I would be, I would be terrified and would be in the fetal position recording this podcast. <laughs> but um, being that we have three matches left and we've pretty much secured our safety, I'm not overly concerned. Yeah, and I'm not that concerned either, but I just hope they come back strong, and we'll see, because we, we really need those guys. I mean, Almiron is a, is a flash player for us in attack. He creates chances. He he pretty much lets Rafa know that, hey, you can attack with me in the lineup. With him out of the lineup, we might see Newcastle turn back to that four two three one formation they always do defend first counterattack next but like you said the fact that it's only well we have three games left in the season i'm not overly concerned about it either yeah to me those those two actually might be it's hard to argue against Isaiah Perez but i would say as far as game changers on opposite ends of the pitch Almiron just breaks the game open with his pace with his skill with his passing and then share with his obviously defensive ability first, but also being able to get forward, um, good deliveries in the box, good on on the set pieces that he's taken. Um, yeah, to be without them for a long stretch would have been rough, but for three, um, in essence, meaningless matches or less significant matches down the stretch, I'm not um, too concerned. But then, so they both go out. Um, Southampton to start the second half really put Newcastle on the back heel, and. That's when both injuries go. They go out in the second half, and then um, they're able to pull one back. And 
I don't know about you, but I was I was pretty damn nervous <laughs> when they when they pulled it back and went two one. No, I was very nervous even before they scored the goal. When I saw uh, both of their subs were having an instant impact, I was like, oh, man, <laughs> thank goodness these guys didn't play from the opening whistle. Uh, Armstrong in the 47th minute just runs past like three of our guys in the edge of the box, uh, earns a quick corner kick, and then they almost score from that. Uh, I think yeah. the defender was Yoshida with a, a pretty good header, but it just went wide. And then, yeah, Mario Lamina, he also came on in the 45th minute, just what a beautiful goal on there, and I got to give him credit for that, but scared yeah. the hell out of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then we almost get one back not long after that with Isaac Hayden. So <laughs> Atsu comes on for Almiron. And I mentioned in, in the Tune Takeaways article, NewcastleTunes.com, of course, and he comes in and immediately just starts pressing the back line, using his pace. The ball clearly clearly goes out of play and i thought i thought that live and then the broadcast was like oh he kept it in i was like okay fair enough and so he crosses it in and isaac hayden he let a volley go that was an absolute blast took a deflection and forced a a one-handed save by gun but i was like okay you know we we kind of had a little momentum again but then southampton again starts the starts to push us on the back foot yeah, they, they pressed forward and they had a much better second half than we did. They were more attentive. They were more willing to attack and sent bodies forward. And like you mentioned with Hayden's strike, uh, the one strike from Newcastle that stood out to me was Ki Sung Jung. Oh, man. When that guy yeah. turned the corner and just fired it, but it bounced off the post. I really want that guy to score a goal. I mean, he he's a quality player. A few a few people are criticizing him as of late. They want Shelby in instead, but oh, I, I was hoping he'd score that goal, but just unlucky. Yeah, that was it was a night. It was a lovely strike. Just kind of skimmed right across the top of the turf, and then um, thankfully, though, our our pressure and our nerves were able to be eased by Ayose Perez, who I, I had I told you <laughs> during the match as we were talking. I had to watch the replay. I didn't even know what the hell happened, so. There was a, a poor clearance from Southampton. Matt Ritchie dives in to keep the ball in the area, and I thought his header went in, and then all of a sudden, Paris starts celebrating. I was like, wait, what the heck? And then I, I see the replay, and so Ritchie, absolute hero play. We know he's all heart. Dives in, heads the ball towards Oasis Perez. Ritchie's shot was probably going on frame, even though I don't think he was intending to shoot. But then, you know deflection off off present we're up through one yeah that was a, a crazy sequence to say the least i honestly thought matt ritchie's header was going in and i think it was actually going in the direction of the goal but what do i always say about Paris? the guy's always in the right place at the right time this time he might have pissed ritchie off a little bit took a goal away from him but hey the man got a hat trick so sealed the deal for us with a 3-1 win yeah, that was it was a big moment, and again, that I think if we had a draw today, I wouldn't have been devastated based on how poor we were in the second half. I think Southampton might have deserved it, but they were especially poor in the first half. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a it was nice though. They go back up two goals, and we're able to kind of relax a little bit and enjoy the last few minutes. But 
Yeah, that was that was the definition of a life comes at you fast moment. Like Southampton goes from clearing the ball to the ball being in the back of the net within like thirty seconds. No, it's it's a crazy game. I mean, it's it's really fast paced. Anything can happen, and we proved it today. But what really impressed me a few weeks ago, I thought Rondon was going to be the club's top scorer. I thought he could get to that twelve thirteen goal mark. Now he's the second leading scorer. Ayose passes him with a hat trick today. How many goals do you think Paris is going to end up with by the end of the season? Oh, that's a good question. So he's at 10 now, three matches left. I'm going to factor in that maybe Miggy doesn't play any of these three, so he'll get less good service. I'll say he ends with 11. I think he gets one in the last three. All right, all right. I think, uh, I think he'll get at least two more. I don't know if it's going to be one against Brighton, one against Fulham, or two against Fulham, or two against Brighton. I don't see us uh, really playing to win against Liverpool. I mean, obviously we're going to try, but I think after yeah. like 30 minutes we're going to be defending the hell out of that game. But um, yeah, I think he'll finish with 12, just so I can be a little different from you. I was going to say, as far as our predictions for goal scorers, I will 100% concede to your knowledge because... Uh, in our preview of the season, you predicted Salomon Rondon would be the leading scorer. He's obviously just one behind Perez. I predicted Yoshinori Mudo would be the high goal scorer, and uh, he hasn't been so far this season. Yeah, you should go hide under a rock after that I, one. I was going to say, unless he has a really epic three-match run here at the end of the season, I'm, he could save face for me, but I'm not even sure if he'll appear in any of those three matches. Uh, yeah, I, I highly doubt it. If he does, it'll be just like a late substitute that we're used to seeing. Um, yeah, I, I don't see him having an impact at all. And the fact no. that you chose him to be the top scorer coming from the same guy who purchased the Kennedy jersey, you're driving yeah. me nuts, man. Yeah, that, I've, I've had a couple of poor decisions leading up to this season, but thankfully they will secure their Premier League safety without my assistance. The uh, kind of going back to the match today, um, just a couple more shout-outs. Um, like I mentioned, I thought Atsu was good when he came on. Um, and then you mentioned specifically Paul Dummett, who I, I would agree was was pretty dang good today. Yeah, Dummett played a lights-out uh, for Newcastle. He was making quick clearances. He was marking players closely, trying to intercept as many passes as he could. And towards the end of the second half, um, Southampton delivered a pretty dangerous cross. And Dubrovka looked kind of slow getting to it. He might have gotten to it, but it wasn't for sure. But thankfully, um, Dummett was there, just headed the ball out, unfortunately for a corner, but it's better than a goal. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take a corner over a goal any day of the week. But yeah, I would agree. Um, Dummett was, it was one of those matches where whenever there was a moment that we needed somebody to step up defensively, it was usually him. Um, Richie had a couple of nice block shots as well, but um, yeah, it was a uh, it was an overall pretty good performance as far as the the mediocre magpies today. I had injuries listed <laughs> listed as on that spot because to me, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, there wasn't anyone that I thought was especially poor today. No, everybody held their own. Um, everybody kind of sucked in the second half, at least for the first twenty twenty five minutes of it. Yeah. But um, especially after seeing Almiron go down, Cher go down, nerves start to kick in, Southampton gets a goal. A lot of factors go into that. But yeah, I think everybody played played well. 
um, and deserve our praises. Yeah, definitely. So now um, with two straight wins, obviously the win over Leicester and the win today over Southampton, they will look to make it three straight when they take on Brighton, and we will preview that match and go on a little further after a quick message from... All right, so moving forward, after two big Premier League wins that have essentially saved our Premier League lives again, uh, Newcastle will take on a team that actually was promoted with them after the, let me do the math, 2016 championship season? Is that when we came back up? I think so. Yeah, that is, yeah, at the end of the 2016-17 campaign. Yeah, so they take on Brighton and... Um, Brighton, as we've mentioned, Newcastle has pretty much secured their safety. Brighton, on the other hand, has not at all secured their Premier League safety. Yeah, they they are at risk of, of dropping back down. Um, and unfortunately for us, Brighton are probably going to be viewing the Newcastle game as one of their last chances to salvage any points to stay up. So we're probably going to get the best out of them. They're probably going to play with a ton of urgency and try to catch us off guard, but I think Newcastle have enough quality to at least steal a point on the road. Yeah, so Brighton has, especially down the second half of the season, they've been really, really bad. So they haven't, as I look back, they've won on March 9th against Crystal Palace 2-1, and by my records, they have not won since, and that includes a 5-0 thrashing by Bournemouth. Um, they lost to Cardiff City, and that which was, was a major blow for them. Yeah, yeah, that's somebody they're obviously competing with, and they got a draw today versus Wolves, which is a decent result. But so, like you mentioned, um, if they're looking at their their final four matches of the season, and which one might be winnable, um, being that we both cover Newcastle United, we might be a bit biased here. But nevertheless, the last four opponents they have, they play Spurs on Tuesday, they play. Arsenal on May 4th, and they play Manchester City on May 12th. So the simple math there is that Newcastle is definitely their most winnable match in that stretch. Yeah, I I wouldn't doubt if every Brighton fan had that game circled on their calendar hoping for a win. Um, And it would be interesting because their manager, Chris Hewton, actually brought Newcastle back up to the Premier League when they were relegated in 2008. Yeah, bounce back season, and it would be uh, kind of terrible to say it, but maybe his former team might send his new team back down to the championship. You don't know. Yeah, and Brighton's an interesting one. So when they the three clubs that got promoted, obviously Brighton and Newcastle and Huddersfield, of those three teams, correct me if I'm if I'm inaccurate with this, but I think people thought Brighton would actually might be decent. They actually going into it, Newcastle has the history, but I think people were thinking Brighton might be the, the team that was able to sustain that a little better than the other two. Yeah, they. I, I would say that's a fair assessment. And, I mean, even looking at the first half of this season, at one stage, I think uh, Brighton was like 10 or 11 points clear of Newcastle, which tells you just how, how well they were playing. But now they've gone down this slippery slope downhill. I don't know. It's, it's going to come down to Cardiff City versus... Brighton and Cardiff, yeah, despite losing quite a few games this season, they show a lot of heart, and sometimes they know how to pull off an upset. I wouldn't be surprised if they stay up, but 
Brighton really needs uh, to defeat Newcastle if they want to stay up. So as far as kind of going away from Newcastle in, in, in a sense, so the last four matches for Cardiff, they play Liverpool tomorrow. Probably not, probably not going to be a favorable result there. Um, <laughs> and then next week they play Fulham. So that's a winnable match by every standard. Um, following that, they play Crystal Palace, which – is not an easy win or easy result by any means, but is is winnable. And then they end the season with Manchester United. So, I mean, to me, Cardiff City has a little bit of an easier route. They have two winnable matches compared to one maybe for Brighton. But, uh, yeah, Cardiff, before the season, I would be shocked if you could show me 10 experts in the Premier League that didn't have them relegated. They were supposed to be Huddersfield. <laughs> they were supposed to be the worst team by far, and it ended up, like you said, they show heart. They have had some decent results this season, so it'll be interesting to see down the stretch how this goes, and Newcastle is obviously going to be a central player in that as they get to play Brighton next week. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be an exciting last few weeks of the season, um, especially for those two teams. Well, I shouldn't say exciting for those two teams, maybe more like nerve-wracking, but for us who have already secured our premier league status for next season we can just grab our popcorn and see what happens with those two teams yeah definitely with if i had to pick one i would prefer brighton get relegated because i like the idea of Cardiff city it was almost like last year with um it was a west brom last year that was at the bottom of the table the entire season yeah and then somehow like towards the end of the year they got a couple results and i was like no no way these these mfers are actually going to stay up and then they obviously didn't, but I know I like the random team that's supposed to get relegated that doesn't. But um, I don't know. It's gonna be it's gonna be close. I also another thing as I was looking at the schedule with Brighton, their hope could have been if Manchester City had locked up the league by that point, by that May twelfth finale, that okay maybe they'll have their foot off the gas and play some youngsters. But being that this is gonna be a razor thin battle between Manchester City and Liverpool. I don't think Brighton is going to get the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah, I don't think they they stand a chance against uh, Manchester City. I mean, come on, let's face it. The only team that can beat them is Newcastle, and we proved it already. So, yeah, some, touche. Yeah, some, it was simple enough for us. But, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> that, that result, actually, I was thinking about that recently. That that's a, that's a crazy time. That shows there's always one or two results, and, and there's more than that. There's... There's always a few results in a Premier League season where you look back and you're like, wait, what the hell? How did that happen? And I would say Newcastle beating Manchester City was certainly one of them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even last season, we took down Arsenal, we took down Chelsea, we took down Manchester United. You never know. It's a beautiful game. Yeah, and I, I think that goes to – it goes to the to two things for me. It goes to the just the – randomness of soccer in general that you know that's how it goes sometimes also goes to the talent of Rafa Benitez I know in every match we just mentioned they were the less talented team I know Newcastle fans tune army don't want to hear that but that's the, those are the facts so for me to be able to take a less talented team into those matches and get results just is a, is a tip of cap to uh to Rafa yeah he's worked miracles with the magpies and Mike Ashley has to do whatever he can to keep Rafa on Tyneside. I mean, just meet his demands. He's not. He said he's not asking for 200 million pounds like some of these other big clubs in England. He just wants sufficient support 
so that he can purchase a few quality players and improve the team to, you know, make it to a European competition and try to bring some titles to to Newcastle. Yeah, and as as you mentioned earlier this week in an article on NewcastleTunes.com with um, with Lee Charnley mentioning the new transfer policy, alleged the alleged new transfer policy. Yeah, very very I air quote that as I say it. Um, he's the key takeaway that everyone's using is quality over quantity for years. They've been, you know, buying six players for a certain amount when now he's, he was kind of mentioning, we're going to go out and get three really quality players rather than spreading that money out, which um, would be nice. It, I think at that point you're going from getting quality players, quality rotational players to getting game changers like you got with Amir and obviously not a record signing going forward, but um, yeah, it'll, it'll be nice to get some other quality players in. Hopefully that happens, knock on wood, but I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, I mean, over the next few weeks, my attention is going to be focused on will we get Rafa's signature on that contract and will he actually get the money to purchase a few players? That's all I care about at this point, and I hope it happens. Yeah, I think that really is the focus the rest of the season obviously it's not something that we can actually watch happen which would be i would love to see a live stream of negotiations between mike i would i mean the representatives of both parties rafa and mike ashley i think that would be classic but uh yeah that's definitely i think all of tune army is with with you on that as far as you know three more results three more matches whatever happens we're going to be in the premier league next season but um i think the I guess the excitement or, you know, positive outlook that we will get when we secure, when we have secured our safety would be washed by the loss of Rafa if that happens. Yeah, I definitely agree. It uh, it would be devastating. And the thing that scares me is if Rafa goes, I can guarantee you there would be at least four or five, maybe even six players who would try to follow him out the door with transfer requests. Yeah, no, I agree. And let's hope that doesn't happen. Let's hope we get some results down the stretch as well. But uh, that should do it for another episode of the Newcastle Tunes podcast, obviously brought to you by Fansided and Spreaker. And we will probably get back to you after, maybe after the Brighton match, maybe after a couple matches. But away the lads, two straight wins. Let's make it three. For sure. And just to close out the episode, should I give him one more chance? I, I think you should. All right, here we go. Ahem, ahem. Who's that team we call United? Who's that stud we call Iose? That'll, That's it from, from Newcastle Tunes, baby. That'll do it. Check us out next week and check out all of our written work, of course, at newcastletunes.com. Mm-hmm.